Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hi, this is Stephen Warren Hill, co-author of Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America, and you're listening to Podcastica. The podcast of timey wimey proportions, Podcastica. Now, here's John and Taylor. Thank you, Irving, and hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 101 of Podcastica here on NOTLG.com. We have a very special interview that Taylor conducted today. My name is John, and as I just said, uh, Taylor is here with me, as always. Hello, sir. Hey. How's it How are go- you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh we you know, we're we are in the wilderness year or the wilderness months, and we usually, oh, you know, we uh, usually uh skip we do every other week. But uh you guys are gonna get us for three weeks straight here apparently. Yeah. This kinda of, this kind of fell into our lap, um, this this interview. So I'm I'm not complaining about being like, Oh, I've got to record three Sundays in a row. I'll live with that. Totally. Not at all. No. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Little tired, little sore. Spent the day in the wife's uh, classroom, kind of getting it set up for the school year. So there's a lot of um, stapling borders and paper and oh, stuff to the walls. So I'm, oh yeah, little little twisted round, but uh, it's coming together. And she's got a little bit time more now before uh, things need to get kind of polished off and and done. But things are well. And you? Uh, I'm actually doing um, very well, and I will tell you why. Uh, yesterday, so as I mentioned in the last episode, my sister has been watching um, Doctor Who, you know, the show. I apparently oh, right. forgot the hey, name yeah. of it, you know. You know, the show that we've done a hundred episodes about. Apparently I randomly so forgot I it. I am now the gal. Uh-huh. So she, as of this recording, has just started season three, so she's in Martha Jones territory. Okay, cool, cool. And last night I was at the parents' house and we were hanging out and my sister was talking to me about Doctor Who and my mom chimed in and said, how do I watch Doctor Who? Ooh, nice. And I said, if you watch it right now, I will stay and we will watch it. And this actually turned into uh, my parents, my brother-in-law and my sister and my me all watching Rose last night. Wow. Uh, it was, uh, I was giggling uh, at the beginning just because okay. I could not believe it was happening. Um, after the episode, I said, what did you think? My mom liked it, and she said cool. she likes that there seems to be history in it, too. Not, you know, like, not history of the show, but, like, history going back in time kind of period pieces and stuff like that. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And my dad said he enjoyed it. And I believe him. I don't know why I said it weird like that. <laughs> so uh, my mom says she's in. I don't know if my dad's in, but uh, they're chalk up another one. Nice. So that was that was a lot of fun just to watch. Good and it's it, it's even funnier because my sister is she's now two seasons into Tenet. 
and there's yeah. stuff that the doctor says, and I'll I'd look over at her, and she'd look at me, and just give me like a frowny face. <laughs> and I'm like, well, now you know, now you know my pain. Yep. Welcome, welcome to the catharsis. Yeah, and I would also like to mention they did say the words Gallifrey one. Um, I don't think they'll be going this year, but yeah, it's apparently a possibility that they are thinking oh my about. Gosh. That's too funny. That's I, awesome. I can't. I cannot even. I can't even. I cannot divide no. even. Can't do it. No. no. So that's funny. you know what before because I've got a funny story to share and I'll just share it quickly because the kids, you know, as they're getting older, you know, five and a half, six, and everything here, you know, their their tastes in TV shows are changing. And one show that we started watching recently is called Milo Murphy's Law. It's done by the same guys who did Phineas and Ferb. Oh, okay. Okay, so literally same creators. Weird Al Yankovic does the theme song and the voice of the main character. Really funny show. <laughs> That's great. Right in that same vein of uh, Phineas and Ferb's absurdities. But there is a show on that show called The Doctor Zone Files. And it is basically, um, it is primarily a send up of Doctor Who because there's time travel involved. Right. Um, but obviously there's a little bit of Twilight Zone, a little bit of the X-Files kind of all meshed together. And so anytime, and, and it's a great send up of fandom because apparently his is like lives, eat and breathes the Doctor's own files. And, and so it's like, oh my God, we're at this place and this is where episode 576 was shot and look here's this picture and here's this picture and here's this view and they must have been standing right here and i'm like yep yep that's fandom that's that's oh yep. yeah good job guys yeah so i i love watching that show not just because it's good but because i'll see these little peppered references and i'm like uh-huh i i can relate <laughs> So highly recommend that, folks. Uh, I guess while we're doing recommendations, I watched the entire first season of uh, Dirk Gently last night. Wow, the whole first season. Yes, last sir. Night. I watched all eight episodes last night. Already be. Yeah, uh, I was up till 3 a.m. But uh, let me tell you, it's a great show. You should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Uh, very good. And it might uh, have some really cool elements in it. All right. So there you go. Uh, There's my plug. Anyway, Taylor. More things to catch up on. I know, right? Anyway, yes. Anyway. You conducted an interview just um, mere minutes before we recorded this part of the podcast. <laughs> Timey wimey. Indeed. You want to, uh, well, I mean, I guess we could just shoot over to the interview with uh, Stephen Hill. We could. Do we need a cool transition sound or something? I mean, that's up to you, sir. Oh, I guess so. I'll be editing this. Yes, okay. you will. I'll, I'll figure something out. We'll, uh. Insert cool sound here. Well, after talking about Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America in episode 100, we were so excited to get an email from ATP Publishing asking if we wanted to interview one of the authors. That said, we'd like to extend a warm welcome to Stephen Hill. He's the co-owner and director of Gallifrey Base, the largest Doctor Who forum on the net, as well as the assistant programming director for the annual Chicago TARDIS convention. Word on the street, 
is that he does a mean Sixth Doctor impersonation in his first <laughs> episode of Doctor Who was The Claws of Axos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Stephen Hill. Hello, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Um, you know, we were... Uh, Red, White, and Who kind of came up on our radar somewhat recently. And um, as we kind of looked at that we're like we need to let people know about this this looks like a great book and uh john had suggested that i reach out to one of you guys and i never had the chance you know you, <laughs> you guys got off you guys found us somehow somehow and uh here we are this is a treat to have you on thank you where so, are you guys where are you guys based we're out in the bay area where okay. uh john is down in the south bay i am located in the east bay uh, and so we are a couple hours earlier than you are right now. Okay. Uh, and it works better than, um, honestly, as much as we love uh, talking to Doctor Who people in England, this doesn't involve us getting up and into John's studio <laughs> at, you know, the break of dawn, basically, yeah. to talk to people over there. Um, so, Stephen, for listeners who may not have explored the subject of Red, White, and Who, um, uh, on ATB's site or, or elsewhere around the net. Can you give us an idea how this project came about? Sure. Um, we have to w- go way back to the late 2000s. So around 2009 or so, <clears throat> um, every time I would go to a convention, and I've been going to Dr. Conventions for a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, my friends and I would inevitably sit down and we would trade stories about uh, conventions long past and um, eventually it sort of sunk in that, that we really need to share these stories to a wider audience because a lot of them are really cool and nobody will ever hear them if we don't uh, do something about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, uh, I eventually coalesced my thoughts, uh, the idea of doing some kind of a book, uh, including stories from American fandom. Uh, into an outline, and I approached a publisher, and I was turned down, but very nicely and for good reasons. Um, so no hard feelings there. Um, mm-hmm. But when I went and told my friends, um, "Hey, you know, I I talked, uh, I pitched this idea, uh, and uh, it didn't go anywhere." What I found out was many of my friends had the same idea, and we were keeping the idea to ourselves, each one of us. Um, so we sort of decided we need to pool our resources and the only way this book is going to happen is if we do it ourselves. So, uh, that, that's sort of what kicked it off. And we made a public announcement in 2011. Uh, and I believe at the time we said that it would come out in 2012. Well, (laughs) 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 but, um, really once we started getting into it, we, uh, two things happened. We discovered just how big of a topic we were trying to tackle. Mm-hmm. And we decided we didn't want to leave anything out. So we really needed to tackle it all. And that's how it took such a long time to uh, finish the project. Indeed. And having looked at the sample of the book, I'm, I'm actually I'm blown away by the depth and breadth um, of everything. I mean, this, this really is a ginormous book and it not just has a lot of great information, but you guys have a lot of great, uh, pictures and history and, and there must have been a lot of 
fact finding and research. I mean, how sizable was that challenge for you guys? The uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that we knew just from experiencing ourselves or had heard about over the years, just being involved in fandom. Um, so we had a good, strong footing to begin with to set out on, but, uh, this was still a very, very heavily researched, uh, project. And, uh, there was, there was so much that we had to dig for. Um, and we had the, the benefit of one of our, uh, one of the authors on, on, credited on the cover is John LaValle, who was more of a researcher than, than a writer, uh, for this mm-hmm. project. But, um, he's a librarian by trade and, uh, whenever we would need to find some information, uh, that we couldn't find it on our own, we would set him out there like a detective and he would come up with something. And, uh, he also runs the, uh, Dr. Who Cuttings archives. So that was a huge okay. resource for us because it's all printed newspaper articles, uh, from all around the world going back all the way into the sixties. Um, and a lot of those were very helpful to putting together pieces of stories yeah yeah that's and that's one of the things that kind of blew me away like there were certain things that i kind of knew myself like i i started watching doctor who as best as i could figure out probably around may of 1986 Mm -hmm. uh and and i have um uh i don't know how you pronounce it with a w in there but broadcast yeah, broadcast with a silent W, yes. With the silent W, there you go. Um, and I used that to, to figure out, because I was watching it on KTEH, the PBS station uh, out here in San Jose, uh, and could kind of go, okay, I'm pretty sure it was Legopolis, you know, as best as I could figure. My parents didn't have a clear memory. I didn't have a clear memory, but from everything else I can remember in my life, I'm like, I'm calling that it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but it was interesting just in looking through that site and then seeing it in the book as well is that um, an NBC affiliate, which is now an independent station, KRON in San Francisco, was was within like the first 10 stations in America to start showing Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was really neat for me, um, just coming at it from from my point of view and, and being out here in the Bay Area. W- was there anything in the creation of this book that just totally surprised you that just in all this research just opened your eyes to a whole new part of uh the story that you never knew about well i don't know um if there's anything that's uh, really uh, huge um mm-hmm. but um i i personally was stunned um to find out that doctor who was listed in american tv guides uh, in the 1960s because of the Canadian broadcasts, uh, right. that were, uh, you know, in 1965, Canada showed, uh, an unearthly child through the keys of Marinus and, um, people across the border close enough to Canadian transmitters would watch it. And some TV guides printed listings for Canadian stations. So I was just blown away when I found a listing for Dr. Who debut an unearthly child in a 1965 American TV guide. I was just knocked back by that, and that was a that was a major find because I didn't know it had ever been listed anywhere. You know, we knew that some people watched it over the border, but to actually see it in print in a TV guide was Mm -hmm. awesome. Neat, neat. Um, Now, if I remember right from from reading through the sampler, you um, you've 
watched Doctor Who and, and kind of been in the Chicago area most of your life. Is that correct? Yeah, except for a four-year stint down in South Florida, I've been in Chicago for, for all my life. All right. I have to admit this is a little bit of a guilty pleasure question, but does that mean that you actually were watching WTTW in Chicago when the Max Headroom Pirate signal went out in 1987? Um, I I was not watching that night, and there's a good reason why, because... Uh, Channel 11, it was third or fourth time they were showing, um, maybe even more, that they were showing that episode, uh, which was Horror of Fang Rock. And I had already taped it and seen it a bunch of times, so there was no reason for me to be watching it that night. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. So I found out about it uh, when people were talking about it afterwards, and then I I did videotape some some news reports about the break-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, on television channels the next day, but I didn't see it live myself. <laughs> Interesting. I I had to ask. It's one of those weird pirate signal stories that I've known about for years, and mm-hmm. to actually find somebody who is in that area, I'm like, I've I've at least got to ask. And and <laughs> for listeners who have no idea what the heck we're talking about, I'll include a a link to a a copy of it on YouTube uh, in the show notes. Um, now if I recall call correctly uh, uh sean lyon of gallifrey one thing was originally uh on board to write for this book but ultimately had to step aside it, john and i are both huge fans of gallifrey one um he's been going for a few years last year was actually my my first time uh mm-hmm. being in a position to make it down there i hadn't made it to a convention since time con 1990 in san jose <laughs> um in between and and saw sylvester mccoy and i I'm shooting for seeing him again next year. Um, and I, and if I remember right, and John, maybe maybe you can correct me on this. I feel like the program uh, for this year's Gallifrey One had information or an ad for Red, White, and Who in it. Are are you guys thinking of being out there for Gallifrey One 2018 to kind of publicize and uh, sell the book? Uh, I don't know how many of us will be, but um, yes, we're we're going to have a presence there. Cool. Uh, I, I will be. Uh, Jennifer Adams Kelly will be. Jan Fennick will be. Um, the rest, I, I think, are undecided uh, uh, or unsure whether they can make it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of us will certainly be there. And, and uh, Sean has promised us a panel and uh, oh, okay. a good presence. Well, we yeah. will make a point of stopping by and saying hello. And uh, I'll put the panel you know, like on our schedule of things to check out. Absolutely. So um, chapter 10 in the book um, is really kind of a fascinating history of uh, the Internet and social media kind of through the scope of Doctor Who fandom. Um, How do you think Doctor Who in America would have differed without the influence of the Internet? Oh, gosh. Well, um, it did take off on its own before the Internet. Um, (laughs) Of course, you know, in, in the in the late 70s, early 80s. But, um, you know, you kind of have in many of these uh, uh, questions, you, you sort of have to mentally separate 80s, the situation in the 80s with the situation in the 2000s, mm-hmm. because although they're similar, they, they have major differences and uh, the, the, the questions need to be approached differently. So in, in the 80s, obviously, we didn't have the Internet. So fans had to find each other through fan clubs, through pen pal uh, notices, and and uh, just bumping into each other. 
at a bookstore, you, somebody's looking at the Doctor Who books and you strike up a conversation with them or, or whatever. Right. Um, right. Fans had to find each other in, in, the, in those times. And there was, you know, there was a network presence um, with um, uh, alt, oh, um, net, net, dot tv dot doctor if i remember correctly this is probably wrong and i'm embarrassing myself because i was it was it was it that or was it rec dot arts dot doctor who well rec dot arts dot doctor who came later okay so um that was yeah that was and and of course that's in the chapter too about how that changed um but i was on CompuServe in the mid 80s myself in the doctor who special interest group area and i was a regular in there um so for example the first that's the first time i heard about patrick troughton dying was right CompuServe. um so I, I was connected in in certain ways and that's one of the reasons why i uh enjoyed writing that chapter so much because it was a <laughs> real trip down memory lane there um the internet has changed the way we all experience media these days. So in the 2000s, the revival of the series, um, I don't know if it would be as big, uh, as popular, if, if it would have been as popular in this country had it not been for the internet because it's so much easier to um, find other fans now. Right. And and although it would have still been popular, I think I, I think it would have been um, maybe less so because you uh, you have the echo chamber effect when when you're in a room full of other Doctor Who fans, it just amplifies your your uh, interest. And uh, yes, that's how the internet functions. <laughs> you, know, you can't. Exactly. I often say, you know, with television shows these days, you can't cancel a television show without hundreds of thousands of people. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration, but but without a group of people protesting the cancellation, saying, please don't cancel this show. That was never yeah. the way it was back in the 80s. So the Internet has changed us in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think very few shows in, say, the 80s and maybe the very early 90s would, you know, kind of get that fan uprising where where at that point, you know, they they were writing letters and mm-hmm. sending it's it's much different. I mean, I just watching. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with NBC's Timeless. Uh, no. a great show. I totally recommend it. I really enjoyed it. But it had its first season, and you know, very late word it got axed, and just like literally two days later, there was such a fan outpouring that NBC was like, "Okay, we're going to take back that decision. We're, we'll uh-huh. yeah. we'll give you a slot next summer." And uh, that was that was shocking. I mean, that was yeah, yeah. Kind of, it, it, it again, it's that power of that echo chamber and, and all the fans finding each other, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, kind of talking about that, that new who uh, kind of landing in American stuff. It reminded me of actually so many things that I'd forgotten about the leaking of the first episode. Um, yeah. uh, the fact that Outpost Gallifrey shut down, you know, the forums for a few days because there was so much uh, being discussed, so much of, all of that I that I had genuinely forgotten about, and it was only what twelve years ago at this point. Um, <laughs> where where do you see Doctor Who's story in America going? Kind of as we transition into the Whitaker Chibnall era, is it only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger? Or are we going to? Do you think we're going to plateau at some point? I don't know. 
Well, uh, you're asking a crystal ball question then. Um, It is. I I admit it totally (laughs) is. You know, you've studied the past of it. Where do where do you think it's going? Well, I I do think that we've seen a decline since the 50th anniversary. Um, But at the same time, there's pieces of evidence that contradict that. Now, and I'm coming at it from um, working with the Chicago TARDIS convention and seeing uh, sort of watching the crowd and how the how the attendees, how the demographics change over time. And uh, I do think we're. We're seeing uh, um, slightly less interest, but that could that could change. Um, you know, three months ago, I, I would I was saying to people, we won't know how things will change until we get a new doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. When we hear the casting announcement and we see where things are going, and and right now we just have no idea at all. Um, it could lead to a huge uh, surge resurgence uh, of interest. It could uh, simply continue on the the very very slight decline that I've that I think I've been seeing over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, as a fan, I don't want to see the show ever end. So I want it to be a success, um, and I. Above all, I have enjoyed seeing younger fans get into it um, more and more, and it's been great to see uh, the kids coming in and enjoying it. And I think um, uh, even though an awful lot of young girls have been interested in the show all along, uh, I think we may see even more of that, and that's great. Yeah, absolutely. We're, We're both very excited uh, by the casting of Jodie Whittaker, and we're you know, equally uh, curious and intrigued as to what Chibnall may have in store for things. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as we kind of wrap up here, is, is, is there anything else, you know, um, about the book, um, about your experience in uh, helping craft this, dare I say, compendium uh, of, of information um that you want to get out there to the to the masses naturally we'll have a link to the to the book and the show notes and everything and um yeah what do you want what would you like to get out for people to to get excited about for this book because it really looks amazing well um as uh as i told my fellow authors all throughout the project number one i don't want to leave anything out mm-hmm. uh, number two uh I want you to reread what you've written. And if any questions pop into your head as you're reading, answer those questions in the text. Um, and for an example of that, uh, if, um, if there's a notation in the text somewhere that says something costs such and such pounds in 1965, I would take the time to translate that to today's dollars and put that value in so that you have a point of reference because somebody reading the book might say, well, gee, yeah, that I understand 25 pounds in 1965. I have no idea what that really means in today's money. So I would actually put that in. Um, and also, um, our focus was, uh, to aim the book from cover to cover to a global audience, not just American readers, even though it was only focusing on American events and mm-hmm. people in America. 
Um, I wanted the book to be interesting to a reader from anywhere. And in particular, of course, we focused on UK readers um, because we have such a different experience uh, from their own experience. And I want them to read this book and sort of see things through our eyes and understand how we found Doctor Who and came to love it ourselves. I think that's a great approach to take because that is definitely something, you know, coming from a family who watched a lot of British shows on PBS, everything from Mystery of Monty Python and, you know, Faulty Towers and Doctor Who and everything else in between. I, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I love and, and to be able to, you know, give them and give the world an, an appreciation for how we came to find things. I think that's a great approach. Steven, you know what? Thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening to talk about Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. Um, if, if people want to find you out on the interwebs and engage you in conversation or, or, or share their own stories of uh, their experience with Doctor Who, where can they find you? The publisher website is atbpublishing.com. You can mm-hmm. also reach it through redwhiteandwho.com, all spelled out. Um, and, of course, I'm all over gallifreybase.com. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Stephen, thank you again so much. The book comes out Monday, August 21st of this year, which, strangely, when Doctor Who first aired in America, it was also a Monday, August 21st. Is that right? That is correct, and that's why we picked that date. Very fortuitous. Look for it. Um, do we know, do you, is it going to be in actual brick-and-mortar stores, or is it mostly just online? Well, we haven't had any confirmed booksellers yet, Okay. We do have our fingers crossed for some. Yeah. I do too. I, you know what, John and I both used to work in a bookstore and I think we know some people who still work at them. So we'll, uh, we'll see if we can't drop a whisper in some ears and, mm-hmm. you know, drum that up for you guys. That would be awesome. <laughs> now we'll do our best. Thank you again, Stephen. We look forward to the book coming out and hopefully we look forward to catching up with you at uh, Gallifrey One next year. You bet. I'll see you there. Awesome. Thanks. Have a great night. Thank you. Anytime. All right. So that was the definitive Stephen <laughs> Hill <laughs> Stephen Hill interview. Um, very interesting. You know, I did flip through the book a little bit, and mm-hmm. man, oh, there's just so much cool information in there. There's a lot of articles, and oh, it was just very cool to. It, yeah, it, it it was. It when when I got the sampler from uh, ATB Publishing. Um, Shout outs, Natalie. Um, and, uh, and sent it over to you because I wanted, you know, obviously I wanted you to see it too. I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take just a little break from work here and kind of, you know, start reading into it. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, just, just even just seeing the old TV listings. Um, yes. Oh, that was and, great. And just kind of, th- there's this discussion about how kind of the, like this, this first wave, they called it this, this kind of like first attempt in the early seventies to kind of like push some Doctor Who into the American market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how it, it, it really actually wasn't all that successful. Uh, it, it really wasn't until kind of PBS kind of picked it up that it, it kind of picked up a bit in terms of its, uh, presence here. Um, that was all really kind of fascinating. Yes, it was very fascinating, and um, we like we we uh, like Taylor said in the interview, we'll uh, provide you with all of the links so you can go and purchase this fine book. Um, and Absolutely, yeah. yeah, 
So uh, next, yeah, if if you can, I'll be I'll be I'll be completely honest. It's a fifty dollar book. And I honestly, having looked at just a sampler of it and having talked with Stephen, it, it is literally worth every penny. If you're in a position to buy this book, oh, absolutely, totally pick. A lot of work went into it. You can tell. You can just like I, within the first, geez. I want to say maybe two to three pages, you're like, man, a whole lot of work went into this. A whole lot of love went into it. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm buying it's, it. It's totally worth it. I yeah, I'm I'm totally down for copy. I mean, it's it's if it's not something that I just pick up on my own, it's like okay, birthday, get it for me for my birthday, folks. And you know, I, I want to read this. And if you're in our area and you're going to Gallifrey One, you know they just they confirm that they're they're going to have a a panel. Yeah. And uh, they'll probably be they'll probably have something in the uh, the dealer room. I mean, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouths, but I'm sure the book <laughs> will be at Gallifrey. Yeah, and if nothing else, you know, get the authors to sign it. I mean, you know, yeah. show, let them know that you appreciate you know what they're doing. And, and I know an autograph seems silly to some people, but it's I think it means a lot to the people that you're yeah, asking it's fun. It's a fun thing. It totally is. So next time we're going to be watching the uh, the Curse of uh, Peladon. That's right. Which um, Taylor, I still haven't watched one episode. Have you watched anything yet? I've watched uh, the first uh, episode. Uh, you will you will definitely get a, a good chuckle out of certain parts of it. But if oh that's, boy, you know, is it time for, for the? Era, uh, is it time for the return of, um, well, I guess last episode had the return of, um, my who reactions. Oh yes. Yes. We, we, we may definitely need one. I once, I was going to watch more, but once the opportunity for this interview came up, I'm like, look, you know what? I, I just kind of need to push, yeah. uh, Peladon off to next week. I really need to focus on kind of reading this through and like really reading and not skimming it and, and coming right. up with some questions and stuff. So, um, yeah, I kind of got one episode in, didn't bother taking any notes at that point. Cause I knew I was going to rewatch it and I'm like, okay, now, I, now I need to watch going on. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that next week. Um, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at JP thrice, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search Podcastica and rate and review us as well, please. And also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. And head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com. Buy one of our Podcastica shirts. Buy one of our The Future of Time and Space is Female shirts. And, you know, wear it and get in arguments with idiots. <laughs> That's like my catchphrase for that shirt. It totally, and, and you know what? It could have even been something printed on the back of the shirt. It probably should have been. Uh, shout out to the Y-Axes. They do our music. Uh, Twitter.com slash the Y-Axes. Facebook.com slash the Y-Axes. And they're also on Spotify. And you know what? Uh, I know it's late in the plugs, and I kind of wanted to do this before, and I completely forgot. Um NOTLG is going to be at Long Beach Comic Con. We're going to have a table. We're going to be doing some giveaways. Uh, It will be myself and Ms. Lorne Bancroft. She will be selling some of her hoodles. And I will be giving away um, some free stuff. So if you like free things or if you want to enter a contest and win some cool free stuff as well, head on over to that booth. As soon as I get a number for where it is, I will let you all know. (laughs) 
<laughs> we will tweet it out on the podcast feed. How about that? Yes, we will. And we will have a pod, podcastica slash Doctor Who related giveaway. So nice. there you have it. So that's it for us this week. Uh, Taylor, thank you for doing that interview. Stephen Hill, thank you for being part of the interview. Yes, indeed. And we will talk to you guys next week. See ya. See ya. Hello. Hey there. Well, actually, you know what? I guess this is episode 101. This is episode 101. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com. Thank you.